What's up, Everlast? How are we doing tonight? Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Can we all get a whoop, whoop together? Go. <laughs> that wasn't really together. One more time, maybe? That was better. That was better. That was great. Well, man, it's so good to see y'all. Um, if you're new here, my name is Kev. I'm the young adult pastor here at Calvary Worship Center, and um, obviously Everlast is our young adult ministry. And if you're new, please uh, do me a big favor. After we finish up tonight, go to uh, our Life Center, and um, we'll get you signed in. We have a free gift for you just to say thanks for coming. Also, if you're new and I haven't met you, I would love to meet you, um, as well as my wife. She's our young adult coordinator and our Everlast leadership team and our volunteers. Uh, we would love to meet you. So listen, we're just seriously so glad. We're not just saying that, not blowing smoke. <laughs> we are here, and we are so uh, glad that you are here. Uh, is what I'm trying to communicate. So thank you. So thankful that you you came tonight. Um, well, last week we started a brand new series, as you could tell by the awesome logo. Reminds me of my childhood, good old '80s and '90s. It's awesome. Any '80s and '90s kids in here? Few, few, <laughs> few. There's the, the whoop whoops de decreased in that moment. Um, last week, my wife Tina, y'all, did an excellent job of unpacking uh, the story of David and Goliath. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that story is not about a quote-unquote going out and, and, and fighting your Goliath on your own strength. No, no, no. But rather it's about your faith in God and His strength and in His glory. Uh, so uh, if you haven't had a chance um, to listen, I'd encourage you, please go to our Everlast podcast and check it out. I know that you'll be blessed by it. So tonight we continue our series, Throwback Stories. By looking at the faith of three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most of us, if not all of us, um, are familiar with this story. Um, but trust me, y'all, it is way more than like an, a felt board like children's story. <laughs> um, this historical, epic, true story, y'all, has so much Beautiful imagery and gospel um, parallels that show Jesus to be so strong and so mighty. Um, so with that being said, please grab your Bibles and uh, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30. Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30. While you're turning there, let me, let me pray for us again. Um, before we continue. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your presence tonight. God, I, I, I pray that as we continue in worship through your word, that you would speak to us tonight. God, it's so easy in our westernized American culture just to, just to be robotic and just kind of go through motions. God, that's not what we want. Um, Help us in the deep place, like to want to want you, Lord. Um, speak to us tonight. Now I just encourage you to pray for your own heart. Just take a few seconds and pray this. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And now I'd encourage you to pray for those on your left and right. Pray that same prayer for them. doesn't matter if you know them or not. Um, we love to pray for each other here at Everlast. Pray this. Say, God, speak to them tonight. And lastly, I would just kindly ask that you please pray for me. 
um, that God would use me to make things clear and helpful for you tonight. Well, Father, we are here. We are listening. Help us to be attentive and receptive to what you have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. Let me set it up for you. I'm going to set this up. If you're ready, say I'm ready. There's this king called Nebuchadnezzar. It's a fun name. Can you say Nebuchadnezzar? Old Nebi. <laughs> y'all, history, um, history does not deny this man. Every credible historian would say that Nebuchadnezzar was absolutely a king. He was a real king. Y'all, he was a narcissistic man, full of himself. Um, and he was the king of the Babylonian Empire. Um, he had conquered much of the known world. He moved into Jerusalem, burned down the temple, and he, um, he's actually in this, uh, he's taken captives. But this guy, y'all, he is smart. And honestly, he's really good at brainwashing. Really good at it. Other empires like the, um, the Assyrian Empire and also the, um, the Persian Empire. Y'all, they were, they were actually, they were really good at hurting and, and, and torturing people. But the Babylonian Empire was great at brainwashing people. They were really gifted at this, unfortunately. This is what they would do. They would mix people into their own culture to influence and make them live as they did. That's what they were really good at. So that's what King Nebuchadnezzar does as he moves into Jerusalem. That's what he does. He takes God's people, and he takes them captive, actually. He specifically takes those who are royal, those who are um, like, uh, 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 they're, they're an upper class. This is what Nebuchadnezzar does. He takes those who are royal, those who are in the upper class. The people, these people that everyone else looked up to, he took them captive. He gave them jobs, and, 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 you know, and, and he feeds them really well, and, and he, he bribes them with good food, and he's in a great life. He says, come, come, come and work for me, and you're going to have a great life. You're going to have a great life. Have you ever seen the Hunger Games? Yes, no, maybe so, yeah? Uh, as I was studying, this king sounded awfully like President Snow. Like when I was thinking about ne uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, I, was, I, was, I, I just thought about President Snow and, and you know, just a narcissistic brainwasher that is power hungry. That's what I thought about. So, so listen, he begins to brainwash his captives. That's what Nebuchadnezzar does. This is Daniel chapter 1. One way he does this is that he um, just, y'all, he changes the world that they know, starting even with their names. This is what he does. He takes three men who were in the upper class. By the way, this is again Daniel chapter 1. He takes three men, and they were, they were um, yeah, they were nobility, and he offers them a good life. Here's what uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, wow, tongue twister. Here's what King Nebuchadnezzar does, though. He takes Hananiah. All right, Hananiah, which actually Hananiah means God is gracious. And he changes Hananiah's name to Shadrach, which means commander of the moon god. He takes Mishael, which means who is like God, and he changes his name to Meshach, which means who is like the moon god. 
he takes Azariah, which means God has helped, and he changes his name to Abednego, which means servant of the god Nebu. Pretty crazy, right? This narcissistic brainwasher. So y'all, most biblical scholars would say that there was roughly around 4,600 Jews that were held captive. And they were mixed in with the Babylonian Empire. That's a lot of people, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah being some of those 4,000 some odd 600 people. Here's what I love about our four, these four dudes, specifically three dudes we're talking about tonight. Their faith in God, y'all, wasn't just put on display in chapter 3, which we're going to read in a few moments, in which, yeah, th- th- their faith in God was displayed earlier both in chapters 1 and 2. Um, for time's sake, we won't be able to go specifically into these chapters, but let me just encourage you seriously, if you don't know what to read this week in your, in your word, read Daniel chapter 1 and 2. It's going to be great. Go for that. Um, But y'all, these brothers already showed earlier what it looked like to stand up for what they believed in before chapter 3 even begins. It's amazing stuff. Talking about, uh, I keep keep saying Ning Kebenezer. I do that all the time. Spoonerisms. You ever do that? Like I'm going to go eat a dot hog instead of a hot dog. I do that all the time. Am I the only one? I do that all the time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Daniel. Daniel. We're in your, no, it's not. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, I want to talk about him again, give you a little bit more context, y'all. This dude had a very, very short fuse. His temper, y'all, was so easily stoked and stirred up. He, he was brutal. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He desperately wants this dream to be interpreted. He summoned all the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, as well as the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, by the way, were just really educated dudes, aka wise men. He gathered them all up. And those who were summoned that he asked to come, and he asked them to interpret the dream. Um, But y'all, listen, they couldn't interpret the dream. They couldn't do it. And because of this, Nebuchadnezzar, just because these dudes, they showed up, they're like, I, I, we, can't, we can't do it. We don't know what, what your dream's about. He said, okay, I'll, I'm going to have all of you murdered. That's what he said. I'm going to have all of you destroyed. <laughs> um, if you didn't do what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do, he'd have you killed. It's a pretty intense guy, if you, if you ask me, right? That clearly never attended any anger management classes or anything. Like, just just was messed up. Long story short, Daniel was able to convince Nebuchadnezzar to, to give him a shot at interpreting his dream and to not kill all the wise men. He gave him a shot. And being that Daniel was gifted by God and had the understanding in all visions and dreams, he, in fact, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, helping put a stop to him, his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the rest of the wise men from being killed destroyed. It's amazing. God just moved in a powerful way. What's crazy is that because this happened, King Nebuchadnezzar, he promoted all four of our bros. Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Also, what did King Nebuchadnezzar do? He confessed that Daniel's God, it it, it says that he he confessed that Daniel's God was the revealer of, of mysteries. 
Now, did he bow down to God yet? No. Why? Well, Nebuchadnezzar still basically worshipped himself, believing himself to be a god. So, right after our bros, our companions, are promoted, what King Nebuchadnezzar does is that he builds a gold statue. Y'all, this statue was 90 feet tall and, and it was 9 feet wide, which is, by the way, is like an 8-story building. Huge, huge statue. He basically says, you have to bow down and worship this statue. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say that this statue was a statue of King, King Nebuchadnezzar, but most you know, Bible scholars agree that it was most likely in the image of King Nebuchadnezzar because uh, of the dream that Daniel int- interpreted in, in Daniel chapter 2. By the way, this is what he said. If you don't bow down to the statue, guess what? I'm going to murder you by having you being burned alive. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. And that's where we pick it up tonight. So now that you're all caught up, let's go. Let's read Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. We're going to read all of it. It's going to be fun. Someone say amen to that. I love this. Gosh, I love God's word. It's just, this story is just so amazing. Starting in chapter, yeah, chapter 3, verse starting 8 through 30. I'm reading the whole thing. Y'all hang in with me. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You know, a lot of people do that. You can watch movies and shows and they would say, O king, live forever. It's like this thing they would say to, you know, uh, um, respect the king. O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, uh, uh, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 12. There are certain Jews, our bros, right? There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Then, verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, uh, pipe, lyre, trigon, um, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well, then good. It says, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Such pride, right? It's crazy. This dude is full of himself, has no idea what's about to happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, they said, O Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't that funny? They didn't say, O King, live forever. They just said, they just said his name. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need, we have no need to answer you in this matter. 
So bold. Verse 17, keep following with me. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Verse 19, then then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. Check this out. And the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's his really ugly face, too. You know what I'm saying? It's like he was, he was just like listening and just, you know, just, just burned with fury. I probably didn't do it justice at all just then. Just made a fool of myself. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. That's crazy. Verse 20. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the uh, burning, fiery furnace. Think about that, y'all, real quick. He even had right then, he said, the mighty men. So like, like the strong, the strong, the strong dudes, the strongest dudes to bind them up. It's interesting how much detail this goes into. Then these men who were bound, I'm sorry, then these men were bound in their cloaks, here we go, their tunics, their hats, and other garments. I was wondering, like, why, why did they go in such detail about what they were wearing? You know, like, think about that. Said this, I'll read it again, verse 21. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their garments. And they were... And then, they, uh, yeah, then here we go. Sorry, here we are. We're here. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. So uh, I'll explain, I think, in a few moments why I think they went in detail on what they were wearing. So they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. They fell into it bound, completely bound up. Verse 24, here we go. It's about to get real good. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is is like a son of the gods. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed. Their cloaks, their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. 
Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow. Can someone say hallelujah? That was weak sauce, y'all. Hallelujah. Isn't that like that's that, 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 y'all, this, this story is so powerful, right? So powerful. There's honestly, y'all, so much we could unpack with all of this. But tonight, I just simply want to focus on two words. Two words that I believe are some of the most powerful words recorded in all of Scripture. Even if. Even if. Going back to our text, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to the king isn't very respectful, right? <laughs> they didn't really have any respect for the dude. Instead of, y'all, instead of flattering the king or even trying to compromise and come up with more of like a middle ground solution to where it benefits them and it also benefits the king, that y'all, they simply, they, they flat out refuse to comply. You see, that they knew better. The Ten Commandments, y'all, is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego abided in and lived by. And the commandments clearly state from God that Jews are not to bow down or worship any other gods or even make a graven or false image. Let's read it real quick. Exodus 23 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Nebuchadnezzar may take, y'all, he, he may take bowing down like as a non-negotiable, but so does Yahweh. The Jews dare not disobey their God. And so they answered bluntly. We just read it. God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we refuse to bow down. Notice how they didn't like, I just love it. Like they, they didn't like contemplate before they responded, right? It's not like right after King Nebuchadnezzar questioned and threatened them that they, they were like, hey, hey, Nebi, hold on one sec, bro. One sec. Huddle up, guys. Come on, huddle up. You know, let's, let's talk. They, they, didn't, they didn't get a huddle to, to, to contemplate like the what ifs, right? You know, Shadrach says to Meshach and Abednego, dudes, I mean, I know we, we can't bow to this stupid golden thing, but like, dudes, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. What if God doesn't save us? You know, and then Meshach replied, yeah, man, I mean, I got things to do. I got plans. Then Abednego says, totally, not to mention, this is, this is really going to hurt, man. This is going to suck. Like, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't contemplate at all. At all. Their reply was, was, wasn't anywhere near fear. Not even close to it. What if, what ifs wasn't in their vernacular, wasn't in their vocabulary. You see, fear says what if. Faith says even if. They chose faith in God over fear of a human king. The remedy to fear is faith. It's quite simple. The remedy to fear is faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had faith. 
Well, what is faith? Y'all, I think it's vitally important that all of us know, let alone leave here tonight, knowing what faith is well. Faith can be defined as this, all right? Having both an outlook and action in believing and trusting in God's delivering power and God's ultimate plan. I'll leave it on the screen for you for a little bit so you can check it. Faith can be defined as having both an outlook and an action in believing and trusting in God's delivering power and God's ultimate plan. It'll stay on there for you for a little bit. It's important we know that, y'all. Super important. While y'all write that down, I'm going to take a little swig of my water. All right, moving forward. Y'all, the Bible, the Bible defines faith as this, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had faith in God with two things, faith in God's delivering power. They had faith in God's delivering power. They state, our God is able to deliver us. Yahweh is the, they believe that Yahweh was the all-powerful God. Nothing is beyond his power or intervention. Nothing. The second thing they had faith in God with is that they had faith in God's ultimate plan. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow before your image. Basically, they believed and proclaimed that if God doesn't deliver he hasn't forgotten. Even if God doesn't deliver, he has not forgotten. You see, things don't have to end up the way we think they should. Why? Well, <laughs> because God knows better than us, period. Just like Job declares, though he slave me, yet I will praise him. So often we're willing to serve God so long as he blesses us and we get our way, right? But will we serve him even though things get bad for us? When we, uh, even when we face death? Do we desire to avoid death more than we desire to be faithful to God? Having a faith that responds, everlasting, having a faith that responds with even if amidst hardship isn't something that happens overnight either. This isn't like something overnight. Like we mentioned earlier, David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tested and tried back in Daniel chapter 1. There was quite a few years in between Daniel chapter 1 and cha Daniel chapter 3 where their faith in God grew all the more. And I can tell you this, y'all, I've followed Jesus for quite some time now, and, you know, it's taken me, it's taken, I mean, I turned 35 this year. I followed Jesus since I was a little dude, and, you know, it's taken me still quite the time, and I've definitely not arrived to have a faith that responds with even if rather than what if. Going off of our de definition of faith, like we mentioned earlier, faith is having both an outlook and action and believing and trusting in God's delivering power and ultimate plan. Here's what I love. Yeah, here's what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's even if faith response in the face of death. They had the right outlook followed by the right action all while doing this together in community. End of the day, y'all, their eyes, their eyes weren't like on the problem. 
their eyes wasn't on the problem. Their eyes uh, were on God. Their eyes weren't on the hardship. Their eyes were on God. Their eyes were on suffering. Their eyes were on God. Their eyes weren't on the fear. Their eyes were on God. Their eyes weren't on even death. Their eyes were on God. I love what Tim Keller writes. Tim Keller's a great, um, super gifted pastor and author. And um, He says, um, It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. How, okay, so how were they able to face the fire? They were solely, right? We, we've just said it. They were, they were solely focused on God and God alone. They didn't just, y'all, they didn't just talk the talk either. They walked the walk. <laughs> Our brothers here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, y'all, their action point was to not bow down. They, they stood tall and they stood firm. I love how Francis Chan simply puts it when it comes to our faith. Francis Chan says, true faith manifests itself through our actions. True faith manifests itself through our actions. Like I mentioned, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, y'all, they, they also did this in community, right? They did this in community. It was mentioned a couple of times in Daniel chapter 1 and 2. We didn't obviously read it specifically tonight, but it was mentioned that, um, that, that they were all um, companions, Daniel references Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as his companions. Y'all, companions is a term of love and, and, and community. Everlast, let me ask you some questions. Can y'all just listen close? What kind of outlook do you have in the midst of adversity? Is it full of fear or is it full of faith? What kind of outlook do you have? And I'm not saying like you, like outlook doesn't mean we can see what's the future. That's impossible, right? Me and my wife were, it was our Sabbath, it was our day off, and we were talking about, we were just both talking about like, man, I don't know if, because we're walking, we've been known with you guys, walking through this like infertility thing, it's like, I don't know if I see kids in our future. We were talking through that, and it's like, well, <laughs> I also didn't see that I'd be in Colorado four years ago. And I didn't even see let my wife being my wife. I didn't see teen, I was, you know, I didn't know her. It's like, we can't, God, God only knows the future, Period. But out, outlook is your perspective of what's happening. Okay, so what, what kind of outlook do you have in the midst of adversity? Like what's happening presently? Is it full of fear? Is it full of faith? What kind of action, right? Action follows your outlook. What kind of action everlasting do you have in the midst of adversity? Is it full of fear? Is it full of faith? Do you respond in fear or do you respond in faith? Check this out, big one. What kind of community are you in? In the midst of adversity, are you surrounded with people who walk in fear? Or are you surrounded with people who walk in faith? Y'all, you can come to Everlast, you can come to CWC on the weekends and still absolutely not at all be plugged in. Like, I'm just saying, like coming, coming on, on Tuesday and coming on, on the weekends kind of, kind of scratches the surface of what true community looks like. You know, we have our life groups that we pub every week. Gosh, I just highly encourage you to do that. And it takes time to build rapport. And just speaking of community, kind of a side note, but like I've said this before, I'll say it again. Y'all at Everlast, I can promise you this, you will be sinned against here. You will be sinned against. You will sin against someone else. It's, it's bound to happen. So like what kind of 
faith are we going to have to reflect grace to each other and to extend forgiveness to each other? Kind of a side note, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's so worth it. True biblical community is so worth it. It's by God's grace, through his grace, that I've been able to really experience and grow and mature in my biblical manhood because of places like CWC and Everlast, where we really try our best to walk in the light and to extend grace to each other as we walk in even in faith together. Now, one may expect that after such a bold and godly proclamation by Daniel's three friends, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God would certainly, you know, act mightily and stop them from being thrown in the furnace. Like, one might think that, y'all, but like we just read, like we know that God still allowed this scary thing to happen, completely allowed it to happen. I could just imagine, like, I would, I would have peed my pants 13 times. I just made that up. I don't even know what that means. But I would be so freakishly scared. Like, that's nuts. God allowed it to happen. Why? 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 Why did he allow it to happen? Why didn't he, like, swoop down and cause him to not go in or be bound up and thrown in? You know, whatever way we imagine he could swoop in and rescue the day, right? Why did he not do that? Why did he allow the scary thing to happen? Well, that's to, it was to display fully his power and his glory. Y'all, our God is a deliverer. He delivers us. Some people cannot understand why God did that. And, and they may feel that God was unreliable, maybe even in saving his people, which y'all couldn't be further from the truth. We humans, y'all, we tend to have certain preconceived mindsets about how God, well, I'm so sorry, let me, let me, let me rephrase it this way. As humans, we have like these preconceived mindsets on, on how we rather think God should help us. We have certain ideas about what it means to be delivered by God. However, y'all, God's plan, God's purpose, God's power are not confined to what we expect or imagine. Certainly as God's, I'm sorry, as Daniel's, what Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego profess, God can deliver them. But God can choose to do it by helping them totally avoid the furnace or let them go through any other you know, harm. To profess a faith that says even if is not easy because it, 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 is, it is always, how do I put this? It's always hard. It's, it's hard to surrender. Would y'all agree with that? It's hard to surrender our desires. And we somehow, y'all, we, we, we somehow feel entitled to certain blessings thinking that God like owes it to us. You know, to give us what we pray for, and especially if we, especially if we've been a faithful follower, you know. But check this out: God, God does not promise that our feared "what ifs" will ever happen, but He does promise to be with us through it all, as He did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is what's so amazing about our God, y'all. He is with us. He's not distant. He's not cold. He's near. He's with us. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 through 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like, is like a son of the gods. Now, y'all, the, the word gods there is where we get the word Elohim. Um, the, the word for, for the one true God, Yahweh, Jehovah. 
Anytime you see his angel or the, the angel of the Lord, it's a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus, like before he was born of Mary. We mentioned earlier tonight that King Nebuchadnezzar, back in Daniel chapter 2, understood that, remember, God, he's the revealer. Daniel's God is the revealer of mysteries. Remember we mentioned that? But he did not yet know the power of God until right now. Also, did you notice what happened? Did y'all notice something? Y'all, I, 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 I freaked out when I read this. It was, they, they, they were bound going into the fire, then immediately were unbound while in the fire. Meaning the only thing that burned was the very thing that bound them. Woo, someone better shout hallelujah on that. Y'all, this gets me so stoked. Y'all, there is no one like our God. Some of y'all are, some of y'all, what's crazy is some of y'all are like asking God to not go through the fire, but it's the very fire that God very well may use to burn what's binding you, to burn off what's binding you. I have no idea what's, what's binding itself to you tonight. I have no idea. But whatever it is, let me encourage you, don't fear the fire. I would encourage, I would encourage you to embrace it. Why? Because with Jesus, we can walk in the fire. They were walking around. And not, they weren't being burned. It's in that very fire where God refines us and builds up our faith in him because he is committed to, to making us more and more in the image of Jesus, ultimately trusting his deliverance, his power, and his control. First Peter 1, chap, I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in, to result in praise and glory and honor. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's what is amazing about Jesus. He is more faithful than we're sinful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for, we can, for he cannot deny himself. I heard it once that faith isn't just believing that God can, it's also believing that God will. I'm going to say that again. Faith isn't just believing that God can, but it's also believing that God will. That's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego professed but y'all true faith will always submit to God's timing God's will and God's glory everlasting are you willing to trust God even if you don't know the outcome it's a big question to ask tonight are you willing to submit to God even if it may cost you your life are you willing to stand up for God even if it doesn't you know if it goes against uh, what culture says now, you may be sitting here and you might be saying, Kev, that sounds awesome. I mean, wow, praise God even, to have that even if kind of faith. But, but how? how? How do I not go to the what if scenarios and instead run to an even if type of faith? Well, because you may leave here tonight, go into your car or when you get home and, and the thoughts flood in. It's like, well, what if this? Or what if that? Do I just muster enough of, you know, enough faith to, 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 to like change my thoughts? Well, I would say the way that we have even and even if faith is by like casting, casting our thoughts and cares and attention onto Jesus. I love this passage. Y'all check it. I think it's on the screen for you. Colossians 3, just four verses. It says this. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on, that are on earth. For you have died and, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also, 
then, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. Y'all, everlasting. In order to have an even-if kind of faith, we have to have an eternity mindset. We have to have an eternal perspective, knowing that one day our troubles in this world won't at all avail in comparison to the glorious riches of being before our King forever. It is reminding ourselves the same thing, honestly, that Paul did. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And even if a kind of faith is empowered to us by the Holy Spirit as we focus our eyes on the one true treasure, which is Jesus himself, and that one day we will be with him forever in eternity. Y'all remember faith, as we defined it earlier, is having both an outlook and an action in believing and trusting in God's delivering power and his ultimate plan. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story gives us a powerful picture, y'all, of what Um, an unwavering, even if kind of faith in God can look like in our own lives, even today, thousands of years later. (laughs) Y'all, we trust that he is with us no matter what the flames we face. We trust in him when we are sick, when we encounter, you know, a, a financial hardship or even when we lose loved ones or whatever the fire is, he promises to be with us through it all. That's really, really great news, Everlast. Isaiah 43, verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Woo, it's so good. And so even, y'all, even King Nebuchadnezzar made good, yeah, even when King Nebuchadnezzar made good on his fiery threat. God proved that he had not abandoned his faithful ones. Jesus ultimately, I love this. I love the parallel here, y'all. We're about to land the plane. Jesus ultimately displays all of this on the cross. We're literally this week celebrating and remembering that. He took on the fiery wrath of God. And that's what's crazy. Sometimes we, we, we agree with that. We're like, yeah, man. I get it. Cool. And something that I've been praying lately for me is that, God, would you help me to not just understand, but even in my heart feel the depth of that. Jesus took on the fiery wrath over God. God hates sin. A sacrifice had to be made. Christ being that sacrifice, like having his own son take on all of that and all of our sin. It's crazy. Jesus knew no sin, yet became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in and through him. He died so that we may live. I love that song we sing. I've forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. So good. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love. I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. Love that. Matthew 26, verse 29 says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face, Jesus, and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, even if, not as I will, but as you will. And I just am praying that for y'all and for me, for my wife, my marriage, us, young adult ministry, everybody, all of us, that we would have an even if kind of faith. I mean, what an amazing, true example that we have through our brothers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen.